All right, buddy. That's great. Well, thanks again, Meg, for coming on. Uh, really appreciate it, mate. You're you. Early in the morning there for you. It is. It is quite <laughs> early here. Um, I was on the. I was on the train. So I'm in the. I'm in. Uh, I'm in work basically. Um, I'm lucky enough to have uh, a job that supports kind of its teams independent of hobbies and interests, oh. and happens to also be in the field of podcasting and digital media production hence the kind of relatively decent camera and and audio setup um but i'm not usually in this early and it was basically me dressed to come and do a podcast and an entire tram full of construction workers and nurses and all the other people who usually rise at this time right okay yeah because i say your your camera is absolutely like it's just magic mate the the quality of your camera is a 4k or something is it or 8k it's or... uh it's it's not a webcam it's uh it's an slr um set oh. up to a to a, a a kind of um auto prompt thing hence unlike most zoom calls i'm as, as far as i can tell here i'm looking you josh dead in the eye right okay so it, it makes the inter it makes the interaction a little easier yeah um, yeah uh, you know i don't have to look down at the screen or look away to be able to see what you're sure. saying or see how you're responding yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's good. It's it's nice. It's uh it's nice to work in a company where you're you're kind of supported in your hobbies and interests. And yeah, that's good. The, the, I mean the the Hammer the Backlog project that would you believe there's a link to the Hammer the Backlog project on my company's business website. Oh wow, that's awesome. And that's that's the level to which they kind of get involved in in people's uh independent projects and interests. Right. Okay, mate. That's excellent. I'm glad you can sort of mix your personal hobby hobby you know, projects with your work as well in some some regards. So that's yeah, yeah. All your in some regards, yeah. You you wouldn't recommend it to everybody. Yeah, you yeah. Don't, sometimes <laughs> you want to have a separation. But, uh, it, it just so happens that mine suits basically. Right. Are there any other gamers in your company that you know of that that you could sort of talk? No, no, no. But they um. So I I do I do bring my. I know they say don't bring your work home, but I bring my hobby to work quite a bit. So I have one of those um, one of those little portable painting cases that you can see in the background if you're on the video version. And there's always intrigue when they come in because right. I'll paint at my at my at my at my desk at lunchtime, and there's always a kind of what 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 are you painting? Is that are those little lizard men or are they? <laughs> um, Obviously, for for normal people, the kind of the the thing that generally catches the interest is Empire or Britonia or something recognizable. Mm. You know, if you're not into fantasy, you might not be that excited by goblins, but you're going to understand a, a unit of nicely painted knights or a unit of soldiers. Or I, I did some flagellants, and they they went down well because people you know people get the idea of crazed pilgrims. Um, anything that you have to explain, like no, so these are lizard men. They're they're actually very intelligent and they they believe in a great plan. It's like oh, they're monsters, aren't they? Make they're just the baddies. <laughs> just, the the yeah, human stuff tends to go down better with the when I'm showing it to, for want of a better term, normal people. Sounds like a boardroom kind of uh, presentation, I think, Mick, for the future. You know, <laughs> all the rest of the, of the old world, maybe, yeah? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Someday I'll subject them to that. Um, they'll never forgive me. <laughs> so, yeah, I discovered you through your YouTube channel, The Hammer the Backlog, and, you know, looking through your projects and being, I think, everyone, and, again, success to the amount of views and the popularity it sort of picked up, I think, for you. Maybe you're a bit sort of taken aback by that, how many people have responded to your videos or joined up and subscribed and that kind of thing the last six months or so. Yeah, it's it, it genuinely, genuinely has been a big surprise. So I've been, I've been involved in Warhammer specifically and mini painting for 26, 27 years. Like I, I've, I've always been around the world of miniature wargaming and painting. I, I would have considered myself more of a collector, really, than that's just a polite way of saying hoarder, though. Like I, I always had these ideas of potentially painting this game up and playing it and entering these models and competitions but um, it was always more potential than reality. So when I started the Hammer the Backlog thing, the whole point of there being a YouTube channel was a public accountability for me. 
So if I if I have to if I go online and I say on the first of January at the end of three months I'm going to have these models painted, then because I've put it out there into the world because I've put it out there onto YouTube, I know in three months time I have to follow that up and I have to show what I've done or explain why I didn't manage to do it, and that was the kind of only point of the YouTube channel, to be honest, the, it was to have that public accountability. And I put the first video up and, you know, 60, 70, 80 people saw it and it ticked up to a couple of hundred over the first few months. And I was more than happy with that. I, that's fine. That's exactly what I wanted. I wanted to have a, a small group of people who would watch it. And therefore, I know I have to go back and show those people that I did what I'd said I'd, I'd do. And mm. um, the second one got 500 views. The third one got 2000 views. The fourth one got 7000 views. And all of a sudden this thing is growing and I'm, I'm thinking, okay, how can I grow the channel? What can I do next? What can I, what sort of content do people want to see? But I always kind of pull myself back to the point of this YouTube channel had a very, very specific purpose, which mm. was to be the public outward facing accountability side of the hammer the backlog project it's fabulous that people enjoy it i i really i, I i'm so shocked that people enjoy such a potentially potentially boring and rote take on a hobby that is fun um but I, I think what i've discovered is there are more people out there like me who like that side of it than I really, really thought there would be, because I mean, I'm, I'm a decent painter. I can paint. I, I'm, I'm, my, my struggle in in life with with Warhammer miniature painting has always been, um, over committing to individual models. So you know, I can paint to, a, I, if I'm not being humble, I can paint to a box art standard, for individual miniatures, but it takes me a month. And I didn't really get a level of satisfaction out of that. So the idea of this was force myself, maybe lower my standard a little bit, but actually get these armies that I've always wanted, that I've had in my head out there. And it seems to be speaking to certainly a niche audience, but um, there are as many people who enjoyed the productivity, accountability, planning side of this as there are who enjoy the painting and the nice models and the the fun side of it, which is, it's great for me. It's, it's, I, I found a little group of my people as it were. Yeah, that's good, mate. I think that people want to see you succeed in your goals. You know what I mean? And they're waiting for that next three month video to come out to see your end results and see all these wonderfully painted models. Um, yeah, you are a really good painter, Mick. I mean, you know, you, you know, your stuff really is quite um, outstanding, I think. Um, the battle report you did for fifth edition, you did like the lizardmen and the Bretonians. I think the starter set armies you did yes, that as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I know you have another one planned in the works. I think in the last video you talked about. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so I, I kind of, I kind of do one uh, project video per quarter. So one update on what I painted, an update on what's to come, and one other thing, either a kind of review of a box set or a battle report, or next, this quarter, I'm working on a third edition Blood Bowl a match report. Brilliant. So uh, I've got a friend of mine who's a very good, very amusing voice actor. And right. the, the plan is for him, he's going to commentate on the match in the style of a, maybe an American football commentator who happens to be a vampire or something like that. Awesome. That so is. that's the plan, you know. Yeah. That's excellent. Yeah, so you're sort of finding your own sort of niche there because you've got your you got your accountability hammer the backlog thing, but then you've got you found these other ways of being creative and making these battle reports, as you said, and you know you're going to do other things like unboxings or revealing things mm -hmm. in your collection. So, yeah, you're presenting in, in your own style, which is nice. I, I I respect that. I think that's a great idea um, because you're making it entertaining, like the battle report. You know. Not like mine, we're like two two and a half hours in. <laughs> you get to see the end, but you've you do it in more narrative sort of style with the um, the voiceovers and nice panning of the camera and looking at all the models. I think that's really what people want to see at the end of the day. You know, they just want to see nice painted so, figures and stuff like that. Well, I I love your battle reports. 
when I was like really looking at what I wanted to do, your your battle reports, especially once you play remotely, Oh, the right. ones where you're controlling both sides and you have someone over Zoom, for example, and they're obviously playing a game at home on their table. And I thought that was incredibly impressive. I, I think you did one with, uh, was it Dwarfs and Wood Elves? Um, the fact that a, a game like that was played across the world was incredibly impressive to me. The 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 going for a narrative style on the battle reports was really a, a decision because I thought I will not be able to match or produce something to the quality that big battle report channels are doing. Um, yeah. And, you know, I'm not really, uh, I, I don't have a huge number of armies. I've, I've got three or four decently painted thousand paint or point armies because of the nature of the way I collect. Um, there is a YouTuber called Ed. He, do, he has a channel called Minnesota's. Yeah. And he he's the he was kind of the inspiration for the way I, I say inspiration. I just ripped him off, and you know he knows <laughs> he knows, and I know. Um, but we we kind of came onto the scene at the same time, and he was doing third edition, forty uh, k, and he painted up the third edition forty k set at the same time I was painting the fifth edition Warhammer Fantasy Battle set. Mm -hmm. And he also does really fantastic kind of short form narrative battle reports mm -hmm. um, in the 40K universe. And he was a big inspiration and actually a, a good help in in getting mine done because, I, you know, I was annoying him with questions going, what, how exactly are you setting it up? So the, the focus is right when you're really down in on the table and what sort yeah. of lighting are you using? So uh, it's a very good channel. I, I, I'd recommend giving it a look if you... If you enjoyed the way I did my battle reports and you want to see someone who started six months earlier and has learned all of those mistakes earlier than I did and now has utterly perfected it, it's a really good channel to check out. Yeah, no, I, I know Ed very well. Um, I interviewed him, uh, was it last year, I think? Mm. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm a subscriber to his channel. He's a patron of mine, which is amazing. I was quite blown away by that because, yeah, his stuff is so good. I mean... Oh, yeah, I, I always say to him, like, you know, your, your, mate, your quality of what you're doing, I think he hit 10,000 uh, subscribers recently, which is fantastic for him. But then, yeah. you know, he has a unique style that he brought to YouTube that just, like, just immortalizes these old games like Space Hulk, the one he just did recently for Deathwing. Yeah, the second edition box set painting all the miniatures and playing the scenarios of Armageddon in, in, the, in the box set. Were just fantastic. I think it just it sort of presented a new way of presenting these kind of battle reports. You know, presenting Absolutely. the hobby. You know, you know, and he's got a voice. He's got a great voice for it. He's got um, good kind of uh, a sense of um, directorship in his videos. I feel he sort of mm -hmm. you know, it's yeah. just yeah. So he, he's just got everything working together, and he does it out of a phone. That's the that's a beauty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the incredible Google phone, thing. Google Pixel phone, and started doing that that way. Um, and he found it much yeah. easier than using a DSLR. He found the DSLR just took so long and painful and the phone was yeah, just so much easier. And It's hard. If anyone is thinking of getting into kind of slightly more narrative battle reports or anything like that, it's not worth mucking about with a DSLR. Sorry about we just broke up there. I, I apologize. It must be another glitch in the system, another snotling <laughs> in my computer, no doubt. Um, We're so, practically yeah. as far away as it's possible for two people yeah. to be, so I suppose <laughs> we can't really complain about the uh, the internet being a tiny bit unreliable. Uh, I'm actually I'm actually trying to embark on a, doing a live stream show this weekend uh, on the channel. I'm, I'm, I invited Garth from Garth's Workshop on. Um, oh, cool! I don't know if you're familiar with his work, but he's got a YouTube channel as well, and we've been mates since the pandemic, basically since I found his channel. But he's got a really unique way of presenting his painting videos too and his music videos he makes and that kind of thing. So I'm trying to collaborate with people to come on and and do sort of like a just a paint, just like a basically hanging out, painting and chatting. So it'd be like yeah, paint models. Yeah. yeah, paint along kind of thing. And I think a lot of people are doing that now and I quite enjoy just sitting back and listening to what they're talking about and that kind of thing and having the audience engagement as well at the same time. So hopefully, fingers crossed, my internet will survive and be stable <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> without it dropping out halfway through. But um, that's one of the kind of uh, that's one of the big value adds I've found that the Crown of Command has added to 
the kind of retro Warhammer, but Warhammer painting or mini painting in general is the the paint along discords that that you set up. Yes, um, yeah. Like that's a big that's a big community, and anyone can just kind of drop in and turn their mic on and and talk painting, and there might be like regular faces or regular voices that returned, or you never know who's going to be in there. It's it's a really interesting um way of doing things. I've always been a kind of solitary painter. So mm. the idea of it took me a while to get my head around going, what well, is it better to paint with people talking? Is it not distracting? But it actually is. It's great. Once you get into a flow, once you once you're not once your cognitive load on the model you're painting isn't too high, mm. then it's great to have other voices and people to chat to while you're doing it. Yeah, well, I yeah, we like when I first got into Discord, I was kind of against it because I was like, oh, no, it's another one of these social networking platforms. I don't want to do that. I've already got Facebook. I've already got you know YouTube. Yeah. And but once I started getting into it, I realized how what a valuable tool it is. It's so great to connect with loads, loads of people. You've got that paint and video um, aspect to the channels as well. So we can yeah, basically remote game there. Uh, Chris uh, Snyder, one of our um, regular guys there, he does um, a lot of Space Hulk uh, remote plays and Necromunda, Ooh, yeah. Blood Bowl. Yeah. And Man of War was a big popular one, especially through the pandemic. We played a lot of Man of War um, over Discord. So it's just been this revelation for me. And I've, I've been hanging out in Discord way more now than I ever do for the other for like Facebook or whatever. I think it's a really great place to, like you say, go and paint and chat with people. I, I'm Talked to some guy in in Ireland this morning, a guy in Australia, a guy in Norway. So yeah, we have sort of like this regular, yeah, regular or irregular sort of meetups depending on time zones, and people are always in there chatting and painting or showing off. Yeah, their yeah, stuff. yeah, it's really good. Um, it's really a great great place to hang out. So yeah, I I recommend anybody to come and check our Discord out. Even you, Mick, you should come chat with us, mate. In the page. Yeah, yeah. I'm. You see, I'm all. That's the thing. I'm always lurking there, and um, so <laughs> I'm always kind of hanging about on the outskirts, never, <gasps> never quite fully committing to jumping in. Because, as I was saying there, like one of the big things for me was, I, I find painting has a fairly high cognitive load for me. Yeah. So you know, I want to do it right. I want to make sure the color placement is. So I, I don't get into that kind of flow that a lot of people describe. I'm I'm always I'm I'm probably an overthinker. I'm I'm thinking about what is the exact color that needs to go on this next highlight stage. And it takes me a while to get into painting an army to the point where basically I don't need to think about it anymore. And once I get to that point, I relax and really enjoy it. But I actually find the kind of first couple of weeks of painting a new army stressful is the wrong word, but you know, there's certainly something, something where you're going, I, I don't want to be distracted while I'm doing this. I want to, I want to get this right. This isn't quite working. Why is it not working? And I think in the past, that's what used to stop me. That's why I never finished projects until I started Hammer the Backlog. Right. I was kind of, I would reach that point and go, this isn't turning out 100% the way I want it to. It's mm. taking up too much of my thought space, trying to figure out why it's not turning out the way I wanted to. Yeah. I'll put it aside. I'll come back to it in a few weeks, and then obviously that never happened. That that just twenty years boxes later. and boxes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah, <laughs> just boxes and boxes and boxes of started <laughs> projects. Mm. Um, so anyway, that's that's why uh, that's why it's taking me to kind of till now to be able to feel like I can engage a little bit more with other painters. Because I feel a little bit more like I know what I'm doing now, and I've I've got I've got a system, and if I need to, I can switch my brain off, rely on the system, and therefore also think about other things and and talk to other people and do other things at the same time. But yeah. um, yeah, it's 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 definitely a challenge. I think it might be not to get into pop psychology too much, but it might be a part of the reason why a lot of people who can't figure out why they don't finish projects don't finish them right no, now, that's I, fair. I mean that's a fair assessment yeah yep no i, I, I who I, knows i'm, I'm a yeah. psychologist yeah <laughs> we're all different in, in that regard i suppose and, and uh exactly uh you know some people just like 
bringing out gray armies, just no paint. You know what I mean? Like it's not really <laughs> yeah, that don't care. big a bigger problem for them. Um, so yeah, it, it, we're all individuals in that in that sense, I think. And you know, we all have our own standards and you know our own processes and that kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, I think these social networking groups give us the motivation maybe to keep pushing through and, and the challenges that have come up over the last few years. Um, not only the uh, call of the crown, but there's been a Calbunga challenge and, you know, many others out there that have really pushed people to, you know, exceed their expectations, maybe improve their painting, you know, get long lost projects actually finished and started gaming with them and that kind of thing. So it's been really cool yeah. and really encouraging. So, yeah. but I just found out too, mate, the last, last two years, I just can't do challenges anymore. I just can't do them because I'm always going from one to the next, to the next, to the next project, you know, and I just cannot commit to anything anymore. So, and now, now, <laughs> being, now being a full-time painter, it's now made it just almost impossible for me to actually, you know, do something seriously, like a challenge seriously, because I just don't have the time. Yeah, I, I totally get that. And that was one of my kind of principles set when I started started hammer the backlog i said to myself okay this is a pretty rigid system that you're setting up here so i have i basically divide my painting time into five blocks during the week of about three to four hours so i you know i have other i have other things going on in my life i have work i have other hobbies um so i i probably paint around 10 hours a week on a really bad week and 20 hours a week on a on a good week um so and i pack my my schedule a quarter at a time so i know today exactly what i'm going to be painting right. every day for the next three months and i know that would drive some people buck wild with boredom just like <laughs> oh my god i can't believe you know what you're going to be painting on a thursday six weeks from today <laughs> but for me that is getting stuff done that is it's getting modeled painted that have sat dusty for 20 years or mm. moved around attics as I moved house. And it's just been so rewarding. But to get back to the original point, it means that I kind of had to make an agreement with myself right at the very start, no challenges. Because if I join a challenge that's outside of the scope of the project that I'm doing, mm. and I can't invent another 20 hours a week yeah. to get the project done, so every now and then I'm very I'm very tempted by joining a challenge that might match if I can match it up. You know, yeah. if someone is if someone is doing a Warhammer fifth edition five hundred point challenge and it happens to be at a time when I'm also painting Warhammer fifth edition, but it's again, it's not worth generally the disruption that it was caused to what I'm doing and what's I don't really use this word very often, but what's proving very fulfilling for me. Right. And the, 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 the challenge, the hobby challenge might be a bit of a distraction. And as someone who is into this whole accountability, commitment, achieving goals, I, I, I feel, I feel nearly a level of physical pain when I see the jokers or the wild cards or the skipped months start appearing in other people's challenges. And, mm. um, and I did, that couldn't be me. I just, there, there isn't a world where I could commit to three challenges and yeah. my name would be beside it. And it would say skipped week or missed month or <laughs> yeah, that, oh, that would drive me absolutely crazy. I would not be able to handle that at all. Well, that was me for the call of the crown. I didn't get one one entry in, so that was wow. <laughs> two strikes wow. out. <laughs> so, and uh, and rightly so. But yeah, I I can understand <laughs> that. I mean, for me, the motivator for me is games. So, for example, mm. yesterday it was announced that we're going to have another Warhammer Renaissance uh, tournament uh, in on March twenty fourth. So I said, okay, I'm going to take my dwarves and I want to paint uh, Ungrim Iron Fist, and I want to I want to you know finish off my uh, Iron breakers, put new shields on them, paint a new banner. So I've already got a plan already that I know by the 24th of March, I should have my 2,000 points of dwarves ready. And then I've, I'm going to paint some extra different things that I haven't brought before or, you know, finish that minor unit that I started ages ago and never got finished. Yeah. So, yeah. and that way I'm sort of just that incremental step closer to actually finishing the entire army. Mm. Yeah, very, yeah, very yeah. close now. 
So I'm really looking forward to that. So yeah, games for me is a big motivator. But um, I was thinking too, because in, in our Discord, we had a very brief time where we did something like that. So each month we'd, we would pick one of the game systems and say, okay, for this month, uh, please paint something, you know, um, either, you know, either a squad or a, um, you know, battalion of guys or uh, a squadron of uh, of ships for Man of War or whatever it might be. It might be another way of sort of getting back into that maybe for people because I think people, some people did enjoy that. They had like sort of a themed month and they sort of just painted, just grabbed something off the shelf or in their collection or whatever to paint for that month. So maybe you yeah. should be the instigator for that, Mick, on our Discord. You should start telling <laughs> the troops doing some kind of quarter. Let's go, quarter. guys. Let's do it. <laughs> I just become the scrum master of, uh, yeah, yeah. of the Discord channel. Uh, it's a funny thing, though. It's like it's something that really it genuinely interests me is people's motivation to paint because I'm not a huge gamer. I do game. I, I have a. Uh, I do a lot of TTRPG, uh, particularly Warhammer TTRPG, which is fantastic. I just really love it. But that that has a very low mini requirement. So, you know, I could I could knock out the five or six minis for a session in an afternoon if if mm. if I needed to. Um, but, you know, I, I had the Warhammer 5th edition fantasy box set for 24 years before I played the game with it. Um, it, it, it doesn't... It doesn't motivate me in the way it motivates someone like you who gets their armies painted to play games. Or I don't know if you know Andy from Mediocre Hobbies. Uh, I've known Andy for a long time. And Andy just can paint anything nonstop. As long as he needs it for a game, it'll be done. It's incredibly impressive. He just yeah. always has a paintbrush in his hand. But then there are... Other people, like you said, who are more than happy to put a grey army on the table and therefore that doesn't motivate them. What I've learned about myself in miniature painting is I need to have exactly what you have, Josh, I think. But for you, it's for you the point of now, really, pardon me for putting words in your mouth. But for you, the point of done is the models are painted. They're on the table for a game and the game is played and then you've achieved it. Yeah. But for me, that's not the that's not the moment. For me, the moment is getting the models photographed, the photos edited and put online somewhere. Yeah. And I mean, I don't even really care if people are seeing them. It it that's not the point. The point is that's for me, that's the point of achievement. That's the point where I go. I've done it. I've done what I set out to do. Yeah. The games for me feel like a happy, a happy thing I can then do with the with the models. And um, mm. but it also means that if I'm playing with my models, if I'm playing games and a lance breaks, I don't freak out like some painters might, some people who are primarily painters mm. are scared of damaging their models in games. It doesn't bother me because it's already achieved. I've once it's on that, you know, Instagram pain. Sure. Yeah. What I set out to do, and then I can fix it up. I can fix it up, and maybe I don't fix it up quite as perfectly as I did when I first painted it. Mm. Um. But it doesn't matter because I, I've already achieved the goal that I, I set out to do with that model. Right. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. That would that would drive me nuts if I broke stuff after I painted it because putting all that hard work and time and everything into into making that perfect for me and then seeing it scratched or break or something like that. Yeah, it sort of breaks my heart a little bit. But um, yeah, yeah. That's, that's good. You can shrug those that that kind of thing off though. That's nice. Mick. So yeah, yeah. It it kind of uh, crystallizes the moment in a way. It, it um. There is a record out in the world, out in the universe of when this model looked exactly like I wanted it to look. Mm. And if if it goes on a journey after that, that's absolutely fine. One of my favorite ever models is a, a Chaos Dwarf Bull Centaur that has been dropped about 45 times. And, you know, his, his weapon is irreparably bent. The spike on the top of his head is gone. And he sits on my my painting desk on his own as a reminder that models can break, things can change. And so move on. He's still there. He's still one of my favorite models. <laughs> he doesn't look picture perfect like the day I finished him, but yeah. uh, he doesn't need to. That's fine. 
Sounds like he's a perfect member for the Cowsdorf Blood Bowl team. Actually, he's been beaten up so yeah, 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 exactly. It fit in right, right well there. It'd be good. All right, buddy. Look, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, we'll talk about uh, paints and that kind of thing. I want to, I want to cool. scratch your scratch your brain about paints, mate. So we'll be back in just a tick. All right, buddy. So yeah, you've got me. In, you've got me interested in contrast paints now, mate. Because I've seen your stuff online. I saw your videos. I saw your stuff on Instagram. And then I think you talked about it in one of your videos, something like using contrast paints. And I thought, I've really got to try this because I think you're the only person I've seen, well, probably maybe Ben Sayoni too, like um, Whiskey and Wizards. I know he uses a lot of that kind of stuff. Yeah, but paint technology, like the new modern paint sort of style, I'm sort of interested, I'm a bit curious because it looks like it does work and it does give a certain effect that does look appealing if you're doing this kind of very vibrant, colors um things like you know using yellows and reds and oranges and purples and blues to certain effects yeah using contrast with those colors you know really make models really they almost like shine uh using this contrast method so i i picked up some contrast medium from citadel oh, and good. started yeah, yeah. and started using it for my for this gene stealer cult project and a commission i've been doing and it worked a treat. So I really wanted to thank you about uh, trying to just inspiring me to try contrast, mate. Finally, dragging, kicking, and screaming into the, <laughs> into the new paint century. So yeah, no, that was a that's a, that's a real achievement for me uh, because I know I know how resistant you were to them. And <laughs> it's I, I mean, there's a couple of aspects to it. The, the first thing is obviously paints are paints are just tools, really. Yeah. And you know, you can you can use them. I would say that I don't paint using the contrast method, as it were. So mm -hmm. when when contrast came out, obviously, Games mm -hmm. Workshop had this promotional drive to say, this is a new product called Contrast Paints. And in order to buy to in order to convince you to buy contrast paints, we're going to sell you the contrast method. Mm -hmm. And I can see why people were resistant to that because the contrast method of spray it white, slather on the contrast paint, and then put on one normal highlight as you usually would. It has a look. There's a distinctive look to it. And as someone who's a little bit of a kind of painting snob, I can I can tell if someone took 15 minutes to paint a model. Yeah, yeah. That's not, not that there's anything wrong with it. But no. if if your if your goal is getting your models on the tabletop and having them look a nice array of color from a decent distance away, fantastic. But you know to 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 put it with a display to put them in a display case if there's a whole army painted in the contrast method looks great looks fabulous. But I kind of like my models to be approaching box art standard. Maybe not quite there because I'm kind of forcing myself to lower my standard in order to get things done. But, you know, I, I like them to be vibrant. I like them to be neat. I like them to be detailed. Um, if there's a shiny reflective surface, it better have a highlight. Mm. Otherwise, what, what's the point in painting it? So mm. I use the contrast paints as a tool mm. to achieve that but I would say that I don't use the contrast method. So basically what I do is I spray paint white, like everyone else uh, always did for years and years and years until about, about 2005. And suddenly we all started spray painting black. Um, but I spray paint white and I do 90% of my base coats with contrast paints. And mm. um, and you, you said it, uh, particularly on the Chaos Dwarfs. I, I did a an army of Chaos Dwarfs by Fabelzell, 3D printed, sculpted 3D uh, Chaos Dwarfs. And with them, it was reds, blues, yellows, flesh, purples, blacks. And you can achieve just as vibrant a look as the, the 90s paint schemes mm. with contrast paints if you're using them in a controlled way. So mm. if I'm doing a red, say, my, my, my the there are two reds in the contrast range that are really, really nice. Blood Angel's red and Flesh Terror's red. 
Mm-hmm. And flesh tear is red is a little deeper and richer and blood angels red is a little oranger and lighter. Um, but it doesn't really matter which I use most of the time because it's not just put that on and then highlight. Mm. So I'll put that on. Then I'll go through basically the normal highlighting process that we've all been doing since the 90s of put on a mid-tone, put on a broad highlight, put on a, a fine line highlight, maybe a, a a dot highlight if I'm really pushing something to the edge of yeah. of making it look shiny and reflective. <laughs> And all the contrast does in this case is eliminates the need to go back in and shade because it naturally fills in the the shaded areas. And that's what I really enjoy about it. It it eliminates the need to shade, but also it's a fabulous, if you're using the medium, you've, you've experienced it, the flow that you get from this new technology, mm. it leaps off the paintbrush and for me uh, uh, in 25 30 years of painting nearly i always found base coating the most boring stage yeah. because you have to you have to get a you have to get uh, good coverage you have to be super neat otherwise you're spending a lot of time trying to go back and correct later and you're correcting over either very vibrant or very dark colors with paints which are much thinner or much more opaque. Mm. And it's it took a, a lot of effort and a lot of energy. But I can put the, let's say I'm painting a, a Chaos Dwarf Trooper. I can get his red base coats done in about 90 seconds. Mm. And just to me, the time saved in doing that is incredible. To get his base neatly painted mm. in 90 seconds because the contrast paint flows so well. And when I reach a transition, so where his sleeve meets his arm, the contrast paint stops. Yeah, it stops at the hand naturally. Yeah. And then when I paint the flesh on the hand later, also with contrast paint, the, the paint stops where it meets the red. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I know you've you must have experienced it and I've experienced it. You're using a brush. You've been using it for so long. It's starting to fray a little bit. You're paint. You're putting down your base coat of Cadian flesh tone. The paint is drying on the brush faster than it's getting onto the model and you're poking it into little recesses. And I do not like the the base coating stage of painting models. And that's what contrast does for me. Then let's say I'm painting red. You go Evil Sun Scarlet, which is my favorite paint that Games Workshop have ever done, mm. Wild Rider Red, Troll Slayer mm. Orange, and maybe a, a little dot of, of a white or a yellow, and you're done. And you get, for me at least, exactly the same quality of finish as if you had done it with traditional paints. And I'm I'm yeah. putting traditional in air quotes for the people who aren't looking at the video. Um you get exactly the same quality of finish in about 60% of the time. Mm. And for me, that's a worthwhile, a worthwhile trade because you're skipping that fiddly base coat stage and you're skipping the, the wash stage. That's, that's what contrast does for me. Yeah, no, I I experienced exactly the same thing because I use the, the contrast medium. So I'm adding it to paint. I'm adding it to ink. And that kind of thing, yeah. but I did exactly that. I, I applied it to the to the model. It sort of stretched out, and it sort of seeped into the areas where I wanted it to go. It didn't over overgo or overlap anything. It sort of just sat right on those the, the you know right on the cast, right on the areas where I had to sit. And I thought, wow, this has just saved me so much time because naturally I'm I'm working full time now as a painter, so I need to work fast. And I'm looking at different ways of yeah. doing that to to get those mm-hmm. base coats down. Now, for these blood angels, I had to I I airbrush them just to get all the the um the orangey red uh, base bases on them, the base coats on them. But I could see potential for more organic shaped models. Uh, like like yes. clothing or like for the for example the gene stealers tyranids that kind of thing, whereas that could just speed up you know uh, like you say about sixty percent of your time just applying those quick base coats down so you get a nice sort of a deep shade you got a mid tone there and then you, when it's dry you sort of just build up the layers a couple more exactly. times and then you've got a really nice finish at the end so yeah I think they're real I think it's like liquid gold mate to be honest 
you know, oh, it's incredible. I'll drink it. It's, it's good. incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Even then, alcohol content will probably drink it. But yeah, it's uh, it's really good stuff, and I really I'm really glad I tried it now. So I'm really curious, you know, from yourself and other other painters out there, what other kind of additives they're using for their paints? What other stuff they're using to like? I've heard of flow enhancer and you know things yeah. which. So Good. Yeah. The flow enhancer. Uh, I, I've been using flow enhancer for years, and I, I, I told you this story very briefly in text. But um, I used to enter quite a few painting competitions in Dublin. Um, it was a small. It was a small scene in Dublin, so I'm not waving a flag and saying I was the <laughs> the, the all and end all of painting. But uh, I was entering a few competitions, and I was generally winning. And I think it eventually came out that one of the reasons I was winning was I was essentially cheating by being the only person who was. using these additives, things like flow enhancer and things like medium, because it was, you know, the early, early 2000s. And it, the early 2000s was still a time when we were trying to convince people to thin their paints. Yeah. It wasn't just straight out of the pot onto the model. So flow enhancer is fabulous. It's a fabulous product for acrylic paints mm. because it, it deals exactly with what I was complaining about earlier. So when you're on Let's say you're doing a display model. Let's say you're doing a greater demon and it's and it's 2006 and paint technology isn't quite where it is today. And you're you've got your size 0000 brush because yeah. you're doing you're painting on his eyelashes. And everyone who's ever got that deep into specifically painting details on models has known the frustration of dipping a model, dipping a paintbrush into a into a pot, lifting it up. steadying your hand to start painting the the model steadying your paintbrush hand <laughs> licking your lips bringing it ever closer and by the time the model by the time the paintbrush touches the model the tiny amount of paint that that brush can hold has has dried solid and yeah. you're just poking it you're poking it and you're hoping some paint is going to come <laughs> off onto the eyelashes and you're going harder and harder and nothing's <laughs> happening And that's what Flow Enhancer does. It stops that from happening. It it just gives you that tiny little bit of extra working time to to get from the pot to the model without it drying out. Yeah. Now, I think it's much less important these days because paint technology, it's really it's really easy for us to ignore how much paints have improved. Paints are incredible now. Oh, yeah. People who are learning to paint now. Yeah. have such an advantage over people who were dealing with the chalky, fast drying, poor coverage paints that we we used to try and paint with in the, the 90s and early 2000s. But, if, you know, if that's something that you're experiencing, to be honest, the real solution is get a better brush. Get a brush that has a, a thicker body so it holds more liquid, yeah. but has an equally fine point. But if you don't have that option or you you can't find a brush that has the fine point you need and you are working with a tiny, tiny, tiny brush that's only a handful of hairs, mm. then, yeah, Flow Improver is the absolute secret to making sure the paint comes off that onto the model where you want it to go. It yeah. also means it's very easy to smudge it, though, in the drying yeah, process. So you have to give it a little bit more working time. Yeah. No, I'm glad we can talk about paints. It's, it's a really, it's a subject that I really wanted to uh, broach with people or a, a guest on the show at some point because we haven't really touched on it much. But yeah, like I'm just astounded how many painting, how many paint companies are out there just specifically for miniatures. I mean, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I could think like because someone said to me, a mate of mine, and he said, "Oh, do you want to do you want to buy these paints? I've got a couple extra sets. They're from uh, Monument Games, and they're the Pro Acryl paints, and I've heard of them, and I've." Oh yeah, yeah. sort of kind of curious about them. Then I saw Duncan Rhodes paint set and I thought, wow, he's got some really nice hues of color in there. That looks really interesting too. Then the Vallejo model color, new range came out, try one of those paints. They're absolutely fantastic. Uh, then they've got this new um, uh, Express paints, which is sort of their contrast equivalent, which looks really cool too. Army Painters brought out a new version of their paints and their people are raving on about that. So we're just engulfed with all these different paint companies and that's just mentioning a few. That's not mentioning all of them. Um, yeah. that, you know, because Vallejo, I'm a big Vallejo guy. I've, I've painted, I've used Vallejo for now for 20 years since I made the big switch from Citadel to Vallejo, never looked back. I found it very hard to compete with other paint companies to have the same level of, uh, well, same range, for example, or 
yeah. <clears throat> same quality at a very good mm -hmm. price. Um, but yeah, now it just seems that there's just saturated with with different painting com uh, paint companies. And I'm just thinking, these these people must be really brave to do that because they're competing against some pretty big boys like Vallejo and Vallejo would probably be the biggest one I think in Citadel. Um, you know, huge companies when you think about it, and their mm -hmm. commercial reach, their you know their, their the amount of stock they can get into stores and that kind of thing. And how available they are. So I really give it, give credit to those guys like Duncan Rhodes, like making his own paint range. That's pretty big. The internet has democratized it in a way, hasn't it? That it's uh, a small paint manufacturer can come and make a big splash on the internet. They don't need to fight GW for shelf space in retailers. Yeah, they can they can go out and go, hey guys, we're advertising directly for you, the audience. We've got this niche product, and I'm specifically I'm thinking of the the range of niche paints that are coming out of these are the paints you remember from the '90s. These are the paints you remember from the early 2000s. Um, they, they they don't have to compete. They just go out and they say we're we're aiming these at you. These are the paints you remember from the '90s. These are the paints from 2000s. These are the paints from 10, 2010. These are the paints that uh, do do this faster. These are the paints that never dry out there's always new additives new different ways of selling them to you coming along um personally i have a fairly modest number of paints that i use daily i have a huge number of paints but i probably use about 50 paints in total okay mm. i don't know about about you josh would you use more or not really i sort of have a set you know, set number that I really like, and it's really hard for me to to change them out with something else. I've I've grabbed a couple of Citadel paints just because of necessity and availability. Mm. Try them out, and I've been impressed with that. But I, I really like dropper bottle paints, and it's really hard for me to budge off uh, Vallejo personally. Vallejo, but yeah, yeah. I do have a set number of favorites, but then it's just it's me not really you know wanting to experiment and step out and try something else because. I think I, I'm think I think at this this stage and this year I want to really try to just grab a few AK interactive paints, a few, you know, the TT combat paints. Uh, ben always says they're amazing. So that's another. You know, we mentioned two other companies that make paints as well that people seem to really you know champion uh, because of how good they are. Uh, War Colors is another one that's stepped on the market. Well, he's been around for a while, but he's got his own nostalgia '94 range as well, and had yeah. previously '88 yeah. range. So you know we could just keep on you know rifling off many different comp companies. They they all offer something interesting, um, and you know I've got some of the the nostalgia ninety not, sorry nostalgia eighty eight inks which are just brilliant. Uh, they're absolutely fantastic. They're the best inks I've ever used. Unfortunately, they oh, don't wow. make them anymore because uh, they're like a gel <laughs> based ink. So the contrast with them just makes them even better. You know this oh, make yeah. really. Yeah, yeah quite dense, you know, when you're using it. Um, so I've, I'm sure that these companies that have come out now and they have something, like even Army Painter probably have something, they're talking about their speed paint metallics, maybe they're really, really good. I don't know, I just need to try it. So yeah, it's been, yeah. A, it's been. I think this year it's going to be more of an experiment for me because I want to try out different things and different colours and different paint ranges. Uh, not that I'm asking any sponsorship from people send me stuff, it'd be nice if they <laughs> <laughs> be more than happy to try it out. I know that Nick uh, Neo sent me some stuff from War Colors, and I've tried those out uh, with um, yeah some success and some not. But yeah, it's been interesting though. But um... ben, ben Ben from Whiskey and Wizards, Ben Ben yeah. told me he's um, he's a fabulous example of I think how I, I think maybe in the last couple of years there was this slight feeling amongst uh, people getting back into retro Warhammer, that yeah. the only way to get the retro Warhammer look was to use the retro Warhammer paints. Yeah. And then a couple of painters came out. Uh, maybe I'm a little bit one of them because of my insistence on you can get a you can get a crisp, clean retro look with contrast. Yeah. But then there's also Ben was a, a fabulous example. And uh Will who does this but the Space Wolves, they all use modern paints. Yeah. You do not need to use classic paints to get that classic look. Um, 
especially like modern games workshop paints like um wild wild red or evil sun scarlet evil sun scarlet is in my opinion the best red paint that games workshop have ever i'm gonna released. write that name down actually i'm gonna write that down Evil sun scarlet it's an incredible <laughs> paint now it's not like it doesn't do anything magic mm. it doesn't it, it's just a red paint mm. but it's 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 so i don't even know because i i kind of ignore what the manufacturers say paints are for so mm. when games workshop started saying base layer highlight edge doesn't matter so i don't care what i don't care what they say it's for yeah. it's how does the paint behave what does it do what does the tone look like what color is it and how am i going to use it mm. and you can get the exact feeling of a 1994 army book yeah, yeah. relying on evil sun scarlet a very modern very opaque mm. very well nicely flowing super easy to use red um you take that paint you you put a white base coat on something you thin that paint down i would use lamian medium um right. which is okay which is citadel's other um medium that they sell they sell contrast medium they sell lamium medium lamium medium is more it doesn't give the contrast effect it basically it mats it thins your paint down without being water right okay gotcha so you you put you give three coats of evil sun scarlet thinned with lamium medium over yep. a white and that is just as crisp and as vibrant as as if it came out of the heavy metal studio in 1996. Wow. It's it doesn't matter what paint you're using really. It's sure. more about the technique and what you're yeah. what you're trying to achieve and the look you're going for. And mm. um, I think sometimes people and I I think this is kind of sometimes the paint manufacturers issue. They 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 bring this on themselves when they kind of say this is what our paint is for. Right. And, and and Games Workshop did that with contrast and they put people like you and people like me initially off buying them. Yeah. Because when they said, this is for getting your army quickly onto the table, I don't want my army quickly on the table. I want my army to look nice and vibrant and, and detailed. I yeah. don't want it to look sloppy and fast and and um like I, I didn't chalky, wasn't caring I about where I was. Washed out, I think. That's, that's what the initial put off was for me when I saw people using contrast early on, they, they looked bloody awful because they looked all washed out. There was no kind of uh, solid color to them. There was just, just really, mm -hmm. just, just, yeah, I just was totally, I just thought it was going to be like just a fad that was just, just fade away, but it hasn't. Yeah, yeah. It's come to stay because like all these other companies are now making their own versions of it. So yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, Games Workshops also had a certain irony in that again, which they brought on themselves that their flagship models, Stormcast Eternals and uh, Space Marines, amongst the worst models to paint with contrast paint. Yeah. Because they're just full of large flat areas or metallics. Yeah. And they're the two worst things to be painting with contrast paints. Uh, Space Marines can look very nice. You can do very nice Space Marines mm -hmm. with a base of contrast if you're careful and then you build up the layers afterwards. Mm -hmm. But contrast paint just straight onto the flat panels of a Space Marine, one of the worst combinations yeah. of model and paint technology you can get so they yeah. kind of caused that themselves but josh you probably remember when washes came out yeah like the, the when when agrax urch state first came out never used it every <laughs> you never touched it that's amazing <laughs> it's both amazing and not surprising i suppose <laughs> i'm an ancient beast you know I, i'm very very simple <laughs> but that came out i don't know when did that come out 2006 something like that Okay. maybe a little bit later but there was a phase when every army in your local game shop had that same overall brown tone to it that's probably why i didn't use it because mate. <laughs> it sounds exactly boring. yeah 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 it, because it, it so you know the if when people talk about the periods of kind of games workshop art they always talk about like the red periods and the early 90s when they were putting red on everything because it was the best paint they had. But for me, kind of 1999 to about 2007, I just remember that as the brown period. 
Right. Mm, Everyone's say, models yeah. were sloshed in Devlin mud or yeah. Agrax Earth Shade or yeah. and I think yeah. it took me a while to go, oh, you can actually use this. This does have uses. Don't yeah. lash it on every model, irregardless of the color scheme or the vibe you're going for or right. what you're trying to achieve. Mm. But there are areas where having this paint as a tool that you decide how to use it mm. is is great. Um, the whole kind of liquid talent is basically where I draw the line. If someone says, use this product, it's liquid talent. Basically, to me, that says, oh, so what you're saying is everyone's army is going to look kind of broadly the same and a little bit washed out and a little bit under detailed. Yeah. Um, yeah. But again, you know, I'm not a mass army painter. I'm not painting a 4,000 point army every couple of months. So yeah. I'm not judging the people who do that. But it does produce a very formulaic result, yeah. Um, which isn't the only thing you can do with the paint, which I think was my original point. Yeah, I think I think it became kind of a process that people, everyone sort of started doing because they sort of learnt from other people. They learnt from the Games Workshop store. Yeah, you just paint it, paint it blue, and then just just dip, you know, just get this Agrath Earthshade and just, you know, just. You know, drown it in that because, like, even when I see Ed's videos on minisodes, he's painting his marines and he's put it like a red base coat or something on the marine, and then he puts his Agrath Earth Shade over it as a wash, and I'm like, mm -hmm. no, don't do that, you're ruining it. You know, like it just, <laughs> you know, I would never do that. You know? But for him, it, he gets his certain results that he's looking for. But I think, yeah, for that, you're right. It it fits a certain style at mm -hmm. a certain point. So if I was doing like dark age miniatures or something like that or i think that earth you know the earth shade would work perfectly for that they're really grimy yeah for sure brown. you know that you know a lot of those armies are just brown you know but for a blood angel space marine i wouldn't put it anywhere near it you know so so there's there's actually i think um one of the things that i've painted that people particularly like were my chaos dwarfs yeah um, yeah and you know they were they were vibrant and old-fashioned but beautiful models again i'll say fabelzell the the guy yeah. who made them just incredible job but there's a there's an earth there's an agrax earth stage earth's what's it called earth agrax shade? Earth shade <laughs> stage. there's an agrax earth shade stage yeah. in that painting process um so i use it for the metallics on those models only the metallics i don't slush it all over because yeah i've spent an hour per model highlighting individual scale mail from Eels on Scarlet to Wild Rider Red to Troll Sailor Orange to Dorn Yellow. And the thought of then washing Agrax Earthshade over that just sends a shiver down my spine. But yeah. I liked my Chaos Dwarfs to have uh, kind of not rusty, but a, a dull metal, a, a lusterless metal. Right. And for me, for, for that effect, Agrax, Agrax, I can't say that name of that paint. The brown <laughs> paint, the brown, the, the brown liquid brown, works really brown well. Wash yeah, but I, I, I totally yeah, get yeah. it. I think, I think, for, like you said, for a certain particular purpose, for an application, it's perfect. But you know, just thinking about it now, it's kind of like the modern equivalent to dry brushing. Because when we got into painting initially, in the Citadel Paint Guide, I mean, this is going back to ninety ninety one. The first thing you learned about was dry brushing, and everyone dry brushed. Yeah. Everyone base coat dry yeah. brushed, and the earth, grax earth shade, whatever it's called, that thing is basically <laughs> what the what the modern uh, equivalent to bright dry because no one dry brushed. Everyone just put a base coat and, and washed it down. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's what yeah. the the modern day painters are. But yeah, I mean. It's just a it's just a bad habit people got into, but maybe some people worked with it and they just got the results they desired by doing it. Maybe they didn't, or they maybe that's why they just never felt very satisfied with their paint jobs. And maybe for some people, it's just yeah, they just hits the right note and they think, yep, yeah, that's done. You know, yeah, I don't need to I don't yeah. need to highlight it to shade and that's it. And you know, away we go. Especially if they're large army painters and they 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 step back and look at their collection and go there's that army, that army looks fabulous, and they don't get down to an individual model level. But that's, you know, who who am I to come, who am I to judge oh, yeah. in the sense because the, the fact that I want my individual models to be display worthy is why I spent 25 years not having any armies. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, only, I only had individual display models. That's so right. So I'm on a journey basically to bring myself back from the other extreme, uh, which is, you know, it's been a nice, a nice journey, a nice experience. Absolutely, mate. No, it's been really good to talk to you today, and I really appreciate your time. I know it's early in the morning for you, and you're going to have to start work soon. So, but uh, Mick, we'll have to get you back on because, like I said, we're going to do this live stream uh, show series. Hopefully, if my internet will survive it, uh, I'd like to get you back on <laughs> at some point uh, when it's not in your early morning. Maybe you're in your sort of afternoon on the weekend or something. We can have a bit of a paint sure. hang up and uh, chat about more about paints and stuff like that. And you know, the revolution that's happening in the in the painting world for miniature painting. That, that would be fantastic. I would be delighted. Wonderful, mate. And I'll leave some links in the show notes of this podcast episode so people can come and check out your YouTube channel. And you have a blog as well for Hammer the Black Backlog. Is that right? www.hammertheblacklog.com. Great. Okay, so people can go and check out. And then they've got a nice... Uh, point of reference they can see you know the very start of your projects to completion that kind of thing so it'd be nice exactly and that. especially if the project management side of it is is what's more interesting right then that's that's where you see that side of things particularly great okay mick well you take care of yourself mate enjoy your painting i look forward to the next video you you drop on the youtube channel and uh until then um take care thank you very much okay mate see you Take care. Bye -bye. Bye -bye.